Welcome to Abundant Life with Pastor Joe Ganahl. We've been talking about the living word over the last several weeks, and because of my reporting background, we, we took a look at who, what, when last week. If we're trying to explain why it's important to read the Word, why it's important to, to have the Bible be a part of your life, we looked at those three things last week, the who, the what, and the when question. So let's take a quick look at the who. Look at Mark chapter 12. He says, And the common people heard him gladly. The common people. I grew up in a particular denomination in a religion that said that it wasn't okay for the common people to read the Bible. That only certain leadership could read the Bible and then that leadership would then interpret the Bible for us. If you ever get involved in a church situation like that, I would run as fast as I can to the door. The Bible is meant for every single person in this entire world, not just a certain select few. And a certain select few have said that in order to try to control people. So I want you to understand that we're talking about reading the Bible and reading the Word. It's for each and every one of us. That was the who. The what is that this Bible is a living Word. It, it is powerful. It is effective. It is as relevant today 2,000 years later, 4,000 years later, as it was written. And so what do we look for in there? We look for something that is effective, something that is powerful. And then we talked about the when. When should we read this? And there really isn't any other way around this in Scripture daily. Daily. I'm guessing you guys breathe daily. If you breathe daily, it's probably a good idea to read the Word daily. And we looked at Nehemiah chapter 8. It's not up here. It was in there last week. I think this is really a cool one. Sam, am I going in and out with this microphone? A little bit? Okay, we'll try this a little bit longer, and then if not, I might switch. One of the things we saw in Nehemiah is they had lost the Word for decades and decades and decades and Nehemiah and Ezra found the word, they brought the word back, and the people were just, in, they were mourning. They were incredibly sad because the word had not been a part of their lives for so long. And there were some of us that may not have been reading the word on a regular basis. Maybe it has literally been years for you since you've opened up your Bible. And the devil wants to come in and bring guilt, shame, and condemnation on that. Please understand that's never from God. And so what was the advice of Nehemiah and Ezra? Celebrate. Rejoice now that the word has been found. So again, we're not looking at the past. We're not looking at where you might have fallen short in the past. We're looking at today and we're looking at the future. That's where we're headed. And so we want to rejoice in this. We want to rejoice that you have an opportunity and you have access to the word. Now here's... One thing I'll surprise you with, maybe, you're not going to learn that or I'm not going to be able to teach any of that to you. Wasn't that what you're getting paid for, Pastor? No, not really. I'm getting paid to point you in the right direction. I'm a Ganahl positioning system. GPS. 
And I am pointing you in the direction that you want to go. But guess what? You get to choose whether or not you're going to follow those directions. Look at Galatians 1.12. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it. It came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation is voila. It's like, oh my gosh, why didn't I see that before? And that 2 Corinthians 3 passage that we looked at in our last series, Unveiled, talks about how that veil is only removed in Christ. And so as we're reading this word, we're reading this word to see the substance and the reality of Jesus. Remember, the old covenant is just a shadow. But Jesus brings in the reality. But I'm not going to be able to teach you that. Why? I can inform you, but I can't transform you. I can inform you, but I can't transform you. The Holy Spirit is the only one who's going to be able to do that. And He does that through Jesus. When we gaze at Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit transforms us into the same image. And so if this is all going to make sense to you, it's only going to make sense to you because you get a revelation of Jesus. And here's the amazing thing. When you get a revelation of Jesus, you also get a revelation of the Father. See, Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father. And I can guarantee you that each and every person sitting here today, each and every person watching us, each and every person in the world, you know what they hunger and long for? The love and acceptance of a father. I'm not diminishing mothers at all. But we hunger and we long for the acceptance of a father. And when you get a revelation of Jesus, you also get a revelation of the father. And when you give it a revelation of the Father and His love and His acceptance for you, transform your life. Absolutely transform your life. Now I'm guessing that when most of you make a decision to come to church, it's not just to see me and Sam on AL News. It's not just to see Haley and Elaine on AL News. It's not just to experience the amazing fellowship and family that's a part of this church. I'm guessing that one of the reasons that you come here is because you want to grow spiritually. Would that be a fair assumption? Okay. So if I was to give you the answer to the reason that you're here, would you be excited? Me too. So it's going to be up here. The, the complete quote is in your notes, but I want you to listen to this quote from the American Bible Society. This was a four-year survey, 1,500 churches, 400,000 participants in a variety of denominations in all 50 states. And they said the daily discipline of Bible reading was the number one predictor of spiritual maturity. Of all the personal practices, spiritual practices, prayer, confession, tithing, journaling, solitude, serving, or worship, one stands out the most in moving people forward in their love for God and others. Bible reading. Scripture reflection was twice as powerful as any other discipline in accelerating spiritual growth. 
So there's your answer. If you're truly looking at increasing your spiritual growth, you cannot neglect Bible reading. Now what did we see a couple of weeks ago? That 42% of Christians basically never read their Bible over the course of a year. Now remember, we're not reading the Bible for information. We're reading the Bible for transformation. We're not reading the Bible just to know the Bible. We're reading the Bible to know the author. Amen? And the best way to get to know someone is to spend time with them. 12,665 days now I've been married to my wife. It is... I was going to say scary, but that's not speaking life. It is supernatural. It is... Oh, no, no, not the... I'm in trouble, aren't I? Yeah. It is supernatural how things come out of our mouths at the same time, and it's the exact same thing. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's how our relationship with God was like? That the things that came out of our mouth were the exact same thing that were coming out of His mouth? Can be, will be, the more you spend time with Him. So we're going to answer the other three questions today from the reporter's notebook. We're going to answer the where, we're going to answer the why, and we're going to answer the how about Bible reading. Let's pray before we do that. Thank you, Jesus. We get to see you today in all your glory. Thank you for that. Thank you that the Holy Spirit puts an anointing on this message that travels deep into people's hearts, that they might see you today. And then we might be transformed into that same image. So we just praise you and honor you in all that you are doing today. In Jesus' name, amen. I know I don't want to use that, though, because I, gotta, I, need, I need my hands. Can you just stand up here and walk with me? Yes, let's try. Time? Thank you. Okay. Hello? All right. Hello? Let's try. All right, let's try. Dale News, part two. Part two. Okay, we want to scare people. So are you going to use this one, not this one? Okay, all right. Darn it. I don't know if I can talk without my hands. Okay, here we go. The where. There's actually three parts to where we should read our Bible. And the first part of that is more along the lines of location. Um, What are the rules of real estate? Location, location, location. So when we're talking about where we should read the Bible, we kind of have two choices. Do we do it alone or we do it in a group? And the answer to that is yes, both. So look at some scriptures I've got for you there. Matthew chapter 6, Acts chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, go into your room and pray to your father. Jesus went away alone a lot and practiced that discipline we just looked at, that solitude. So there is absolutely a time for you and I to go off by ourselves and read our Bibles. But there is also a time, as you see from Acts 2, that that is great to do in a group. The early church met together. We have a a ton of opportunities for you to do that. From women's Bible studies to our men's noon lunch group, 
so when we're talking about where we want to read our Bibles, again, there's, there's great value in taking time to read it by ourselves in private, in quiet. There's great value to taking time to read that in a group and get that group information as well. The second part of where, do I read it at home? Do I read it in the office? Do I go to a park? Where do I go? Do I take it to work with me? Well, that's just not possible with most places in terms of working. Now, the answer there is where it's got to be in your heart. Because when the word's in your heart, it goes everywhere with you. And that's the importance about not only reading our Bibles, but memorizing our Bibles and looking at those scriptures that are going to stick in our heart. Because as they stick in our heart, that Bible goes with us everywhere. What's the word say in Psalm 119? I have hidden your word in my heart so I may not sin against you. So one of the most powerful things we have in our lives to keep sin away from us is hiding the word in our heart. So the where is, look at what it says in Deuteronomy. The words shall be in your heart. You're going to repeat them again and again to your children. Where are you going to do that? At home, on the road, when you go to bed, when they rise. You're going to literally put them on the doorposts of your house and on the city gates. So the second aspect of where this word is going to go, the best answer to that is in your heart. Because when it goes with you in your heart, it's always with you. Make sense? So we're going to take the where, and we're going to do it by ourselves in quiet. We're going to also do it in, in a group setting, but we're also going to store those words in my heart. I had this question asked of me by two different people this week by email. Where should I start? The Bible is not a cover-to-cover -cover book. If you start in Genesis and you go to Revelation, you'll probably stop about Leviticus. Maybe I, I was talking, there was a guy in our, in our men's group on Thursday, and he said, I made it to Kings. And he said, that was about all I had. So it's not a cover-to-cover -cover book, and yet we sometimes look at it as a cover-to-cover -cover book. So I'm going to give you some personal suggestions here. Um, they may or may not work for you. Uh, one of the things that you do in this is what? James 1, if you need wisdom, ask God. God, where do you want me to start? Where would be a good place for me? From my aspect, I think the Apostle Paul's writings are some of the most critical in the entire Bible because Paul understood this new covenant of grace more than anybody else did. So I really like, and I learned this from my wife 12,562 days ago, girls eat pickles cold. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. In order to keep those in order, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, girls eat pickles cold. I don't know where you learned that, but you taught that to me. So I would start maybe in those four books Galatians gives you a great idea of the gospel of grace and then go on to some of those other books that Paul has written. If you're looking for the gospels, looking for the life of Jesus, man, Mark is a really good, fast-paced, action-packed book about Jesus. Um, I personally like uh, the gospel of John and some of John's writings, his letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. John, I don't know if Jesus had a best friend, but John was pretty darn close. 
And I think John has a real insight into who Jesus was and into Jesus's divinity. And so um, if I was reading the Gospels, I might pick up Mark or I might pick up John. You can also go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is kind of a history lesson of the early church. And you can kind of get an idea what God was telling the early church. And then I honestly think it's a good idea to go back and read Genesis. How did we get into this mess? How did it all start? What did God, what was his initial intention for us? What happened when we fell away? And then where did we go from there? So again, those are some general ideas. And, and that's a good place for you. If not, again, just ask God. I, I trust God, and I trust God will take care of helping us figure those things out. Make sense for the where? Okay, so let's go to the why. Here's the issue with the why should I read my Bible. This is an entire sermon series. It really is. I, I, I cannot cover the options and the reasons why you should read your Bible in one message, let alone one-third of one message. So go to your notes here real quick, because I, I didn't even count them, 20, 25 scriptures there. I'm going to lead and read the one or two word blessings that you get when you read your Bible, okay? So I'm going to go through this quickly. You can look through it. So here we go. Um, God's word reveals things to us. God's word is a shield. God shows us the power of creation. We see all of his benefits. We see healing. We see rescue. We see the ability not to sin. We see the ability to be strengthened. We see hope. It's a lamp and a light of direction. It gives us life. It gives us understanding. It helps us to prosper. It drives out evil spirits. It helps us to produce. It helps us to be healed. It helps us to never see death. Faith comes by it. It's a sword, which is the power against the enemy. It comes in power. It's useful for showing us the way and direction, and the Son upholds the universe by the word of his power. That enough? That's, that's, that's quite a bit in only 25 verses there, right? So let me highlight three particular verses in that area. You'll see them up here. His word heals us and rescues us. I love doctors, and doctors can help us in so many ways. Doctors and dentists and chiropractors, man. But healing comes from the Word of God. Healing comes from God. Rescue comes from God, and it comes from the Word. That verse there, to me, is enough. If I didn't have any of those other verses, that would be enough for me. But that is incredibly powerful incredibly powerful. We talked about Psalm 119, how if you're looking to avoid sin, the way to avoid sin is put the word in your heart. You know, if, if, if forgive this human illustration, this is the best I can do. Faith is the currency of heaven. If you were having to buy things in heaven, faith is your currency. Faith comes through the word. comes through the word, comes through hearing the word. So if we're looking to increase our faith, suffering doesn't increase your faith. The word increases your faith. And so the word is incredibly important. And one of the things that we find when you, when you have a good grasp of the word, you find that it is incredibly encouraging 
Remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about you're going to see what you want to see. You're going to see what you expect to see. If you, if you read the word and you expect to see a God of judgment and wrath and destruction, that's what you'll see. If you expect to see a God of mercy and grace and love, that's what you'll see. And so you're going to see what you expect to see. What I expect to see is great encouragement and great encouragement from the word. I'm going to walk off the stage here, camera person. I got to show you some stuff. <laughs> These are called, and I wish I had two hands. These are called my fuzzy files. There's one. Here's two. Here's three. Here's a note from my wife on our 20th anniversary telling me what she loves about me. Do you know how often I read through those things? Because I get beat up in the world. And I need somebody to encourage me. And so that's why I've saved those things. I, I, I grabbed a couple of those out of here. Here's, here's one from my cat. <laughs> Happy birthday to my favorite human. Dad, your gift is me sitting on your lap for a Lord of the Rings marathon, Iran. <laughs> this is another good one. Speak softly and carry a big stick. Unless you can ride a dinosaur, then do that instead. It's from my daughter, Morgan. Here's a great one from my son. <laughs> has a little golf thing on the front. And you open it up, and it says, no matter how you slice it, I hope your Father's Day suits you to a T. And he says, the card was frickin' seven bucks, so that's where your money is at. <laughs> Here's a Valentine's Day card from my wife. Nope. Whoops. Here's a card from one of the kids in our children's ministry from a couple years ago. Dear Pastor Joe, you did great today. I think you're so amazing. Happy summer. And then PPS, PPPPS, PPPPS, you're great, you're great, you're great. Here's a note from one of my students in Wyoming from September 12, 2004. I'm in an absence of words right now. This is after we were leaving. Where to start? First off, I want a huge thank you as an order. Over the past five years, you have done so much for me, and I could never give you the thank you that you deserve. Why? Because I need to be encouraged. Because I need to be encouraged. And if those things encourage me, how much more will the Word of God encourage me? So that's a positive aspect of the why that I should read the Word of God. Can I give you a negative aspect of what happens when we don't read the Word of God? Look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge or rejected knowledge. Now, rejected knowledge is unbelief. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
Ephesians 4 tells us that the reason we don't experience life is because of a lack of knowledge, ignorance, and a hard heart, unbelief. I, some of you remember this. This was um, my bowling ball that I willed to Alex after my death. So he doesn't get this yet, but after I die, I get the benefits, he gets the benefits of what I've willed to him, what's in the inheritance for him. Now, I have that will right here, and there's blessings in that will, but what happens if he never reads it? He has no idea what the blessings are. No idea. There's a great devotional in your notes today. I hope you'll read it at some point. Now, Alex can grab the will and he can open it up and he can say, Oh my gosh, that blessing is just too much for me to have. I don't believe it. And he'll never be able to receive the blessings that I've left to him. So the negative side of not reading the word is that ultimately you will be destroyed because you have no idea what's in there. Our, our, our church, our main verse, John 10.10, it says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So if he's stealing something from you, it must not be his, it must be yours, And it's time for you and I to know what our inheritance is. It's time to know what we've been given. And it's time to say, nope, you ain't going to steal for me anymore. Because Jesus died to give me this inheritance. And it's mine. And where is it mine? Here. You don't get the benefits of an inheritance after you die. You get the benefits of an inheritance after someone else dies. Folks, that's already taken place. And so understand the negative part about not reading the word is you'll never know what your inheritance is and you'll never be able to receive it. Did we cover the why okay? All right. Let's go on to the how. How do we read this? Like Location, 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 one of the most important concepts in understanding and interpreting the Bible is context, context, context. You've got to know what the context is. You've got to know who that was written to. I don't think it'll be up here, but look in your notes at the quote from Miles Coverdale. Miles Coverdale was the first person who translated the Bible into English. 1535. It shall greatly help ye to understand if thou mark not only what is spoken or written, but of whom and to whom, with what words, what time, where, to what intent, with what circumstances, considering what goes before and what follows after. 
So let me give you a quick example. David and Goliath. There's, there's only one correct interpretation of a scripture passage, but there might be many different applications. But what we have done in our society, in our world, is we have looked at David and Goliath and we said, wow, that is our opportunity to crash down and take down and have victory over the mountains in our lives. Anybody heard that before? That is not a correct interpretation of that passage. Because the people to who it was written to, the Israelites, in that time frame, they wouldn't have any clue what you were talking about if you said that's the interpretation of this passage. What's the interpretation of the passage? Correctly, when you determine context, God's the one that's going to rescue us. This ain't about me. It isn't really even about David, but David has a part. It's about God rescuing his people through a savior, David, and it is a shadow of God rescuing his people through a savior, Jesus. But it's all about God's rescue and not how we can take down the mountains in our lives. Am I making sense? So you've got to understand who it's written to. There are things in your New Testament that are not necessarily written to you. They're written for you. If somebody writes me a letter and they say, Joe, I think you need to cut back a little bit on the Dr. Pepper, that doesn't mean you have to cut back on the Dr. Pepper. Why? Because that's written to me. Now, you may gain some wisdom from that, and you may say, you know what, boy, I need to cut back on the Twinkies. So you can't look at everything in the Bible and say, man, that's exactly what I need to do. You've got to find out what the context is. I mean, even for the book of James, the book of James was written to the 12 tribes. It was written to Hebrew believers. It's written to the Jews. So it's written for us, but it's not generally written exactly to us. Make sense? So the how part of this talks about context. Context, context, context. Look at some other important things from the scriptures that I've given you. One is you got to be open-minded. If you come in and you're looking at the word and you go, that's not true, that's not my experience, that's not my tradition, that's not my preference, well, there's no way you're going to gain any, any foothold into some spiritual growth. So you're going to have to be open-minded to what your pastor is saying. No. Right? To what the word is saying. To what the word is saying. How should you be doing this? Searching the word daily to see if what I'm saying is true. Amen? Searching the word daily to see if what I'm saying is true. Luke chapter 8. Let me give you the reason for doing that. Luke chapter 8 talks about the seeds in the soils. And... He talks about this soil, you know, is on the ground. It gets burned up. This soil has a little bit of a root. Okay, when he's talking about it has a little root, they receive the word with great joy. But because they don't have any root, when trouble comes, they fall away. You can't survive on my roots. You cannot survive on my roots. 
I cannot survive on the roots of Joseph Prince or Andrew Farley or Creflo Dollar. They have to be my roots. And you might go out of here and you've received this message with great joy and then something happens this week that hits you and because you have no roots, that seed is just pulled right up. So another reason why, another reason how, another reason why you've got to begin to do this on your own is you've got to develop your own roots. And things might be going good right now and you have received that word with great joy, but if you don't have those roots, when a storm hits, those roots will get torn up. Am I making sense? So this is something for you and I to be doing. And I am so blessed and I am so honored and I am so privileged to be your pastor. And I am so blessed and so honored and so privileged to be able to point you in the right direction. And that direction is Jesus Christ. Amen? That's all I got, folks. I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You can put that on my tombstone. So over the last several weeks, we've given you some great opportunities for how you can get into this living word and how you can begin to allow this word to change and transform your lives. I hope you'll save these notes. I hope you'll save the devotionals. I hope you'll go over these again and again. And I hope if you have any questions, you will not hesitate at all to contact any one of our staff. It is a joy for us to talk about Jesus. You are never bothering us you're never in the way. We, we will always have time for you if you want to talk about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Your word is alive. It is powerful. And it is, it is living and effective in our lives. Thank you for the encouragement today, Lord. Thank you for what you've shown us. It is just... Every time we get in the word, we're astonished by its beauty. Thank you for showing us a little bit more of that today. It's in the name of Jesus. We pray these things and all God's people said. You've been listening to a sermon by Pastor Joe Ganahl. For more information on resources and how you can partner and support this ministry, log on to our website at albrookings.org. Thank you.